Welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Uh, we have just concluded quite um, quite a weekend in soccer uh, here in Pittsburgh. A uh, lot going on. We've got the uh, high school uh, or in the state playoffs. Of course, we've been covering that pretty intensely. Uh, Pitt women's soccer team just uh, completed uh, their first win in the NCAA tournament for this year's tournament. A very exciting day over uh, in Oakland at Ambrose Urbanic Field on Saturday night. Uh, we're going to talk to Rachel Krieger uh, about that. Dominic Campbell as well is going to join us here on Sounding Off on Soccer to talk about those uh, the pit topics. And then, of course, today, the men's team, pit men's team, uh, kudos to them. They, for the fifth straight year, have qualified for the NCAA tournament. So the pit men, you know, I wrote about it uh, heading into the tournament, looking at the RPI. Really, what, what gets pit in every year seems to be that strength of schedule, even if they didn't have the greatest season in the ACC, uh, only had a 500 record. Uh, but, you know, Jay Vitovich, they had just enough quality wins. Their RPI was better than some, you know, some good teams in the Big Ten, for example, uh, better than some some good teams that uh, were on the bubble. Some got in, some didn't. But, you know, out of the all the at-large selections, uh, teams that <clears throat> didn't qualify through their conference tournaments, Pitt ended up. Uh, somewhere in about the 23rd or 24th out of those 25 at-large selections in terms of where they were in the RPI ladder. But we'll talk more about that with Dominic Campbell. But you know, so those are some of the pressing topics, and we'll talk, to the, uh, talk about those in a little bit. But the thing I wanted to start out with, uh, the big news really for Pittsburgh Riverhounds fans and for the Riverhounds, you know, obviously playoff disappointment, but we knew that postseason honors would be coming and no single player was more deserving of winning uh, the league player of the year award or the MVP, whatever you would want to call it. Uh, then Albert Dequa, the hounds forward this year who had his career season and at uh, 25 years old, what a remarkable season, 20 goals. And uh, I wrote about this extensively throughout the course of the season that his work that he put in would really proved that, uh, you know, was, was the, the end result, all that hard work. And this was the end result of uh, this 20 goals, but it wasn't just, he wasn't just a, a one trick pony and scoring 20 goals. Uh, he, as a two way player, as a, as in a forward in Bob Lilly system, who's pressing and having to cover a lot of ground and run um, Albert Dequa did so many wonderful things uh, this year for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And I, I think the best way to sum it up uh, is if I'm going to pay tribute to Albert Dequa is uh, just take some words, take my own words from uh, after the Hounds clinched the player's shield, winning the, the you know, the best record, uh, the be most points by any team in uh, the regular season, uh, a true incredible accomplishment for the team. And Albert Dequa spoke all season long about how, important it was to be part of that team and to contribute to the team that the team deserves all the credit the players the teammates everything uh he was very humble through all season as he continued to uh, pick up more and more goals uh, and he deserves a lot of credit for that but, but but after that win against tampa in tampa to clinch the player's shield to give the hounds a first seed give them a trophy 
which they've never had really before uh, winning their first overall. Um, I, I wrote this in terms of uh, the the players' grades and takeaways after the match. And I, actually, initially, I started talking about, you know, how Bob Lilly, the head coach, is always so demanding of his players. And he establishes three cornerstones to being successful. Don't give anything away. Dictate the game and be dynamic. And the Riverhounds were all of those, of course, in that incredible, impressive win against Tampa, uh, 2-0 victory for, to clinch its first ever player shield. But also, it was Albert Dequa who kind of set the tone. And uh, the guy who, you know, this year uh, just did his thing. And so maybe an addendum to Lily's cornerstones for this year's Riverhounds squad, it should have been get the ball early to Albert Dequa because Albert Dequa was one of the mantles of a Bob Lilly coach team and being a Bob Lilly coach player was that he was always prepared. And how many times can a, a, a player score early in a match? That means the game plan, whatever they discuss all week long, something that he did, some nuance, some move, some instinctive play, some run to the goal, some way to get behind a defender, whatever the case might be, that is that player making a play and, you know, taking his game to the next level. And that's what Albert Dequa did. Uh, and that's how the Hounds stayed ahead of the competition many times this year, scoring those early goals. And so it's hard to believe, this is what I wrote, um, that at one time there may have been a prevailing thought that in his tenure with the Riverhounds that Albert Dequa's ideal role would have been that of super sub and high energy forward off the bench. That was his role when he joined the team halfway through the 2020, 20, 2020 season as a 21-year-old. Uh, and that became the thought again after injury sidelined him in 2021. And he started off the 2022 season on the depth chart behind USL Championship's all-time leading scorer, Dane Kelly. But time after time, Bob Lilly continued to push Dequa harder and started to recognize that the forward from Cameroon would be someone who would be impossible to take off the field. Even playing a physically demanding role as forward in Lilly's system, which requires strikers to cover a lot of space. At the end of the 2022 season, it became clear that Dequa's ability to find goals and finish anywhere near box with efficiently began to match his relentless work rate and superb match fitness. In the 2023 campaign, he added a new element to his game, find goals early in matches. On Saturday night, he did it again. The Hounds kicked off, went forward straight from the opening whistle. Conardo Forbes received the ball in the middle of the field from the right side, and the captain swung a pass the other way to Junior Itau. The left back struck an early cross to the far post, where Deke was sprinted in unmarked. He sprinted in unmarked to touch the ball into the net after only 29 seconds, making it the second fastest goal in team history. It was a remarkable, instinctive play by someone who's clearly getting the message from his coach about looking to run for the open spaces and getting behind defenders. As the Hounds knocked the ball around, Dequa held up near the center part of the box, only to take off on a run to the far post, just as Itau pivoted and began to send the ball in the same direction. It was Dequa's 20th goal which put him three goals clear of the field in a race for a golden boot with one week to play. And he held on. Cam Jennings from Tampa uh, got two goals in the last week. And Dequa would take the golden boot 
Of those 20 goals, nine, nine of those goals came in the 22nd minute or earlier. By the way, if you're wondering, here's a complete list if you're wondering. Fifth minute at Memphis, 18th minute at Indy, 16th minute at Monterey Bay, 11th minute in Birmingham, 22nd minute versus Columbus, MLS, U.S. Open Cup at Highmark Stadium, third minute versus Tampa Bay, the first time they played Tampa, the 16th minute at Hartford, 21st minute at Loudoun United, 12th minute at Tulsa, FC Tulsa, and again, the first minute, 29 seconds in against Tampa Bay. So, so many times this season, the 2023 season, the Riverhounds started the early part of a match with an Albert Deeper goal. In the biggest match of the season, with so much on the line, they did it again for the second time against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. It was a dream start to that match for the Hounds, and they could thank great team buildup and another terrific goal from Albert Deeper. Deeper now, at that point and through the regular season, accounted for 40%. 40% of Pittsburgh's goal-scoring production in league play. He's already in great position and put himself in position um, to win the Golden Boot, which he did, and become the USL Championship's MVP or Player of the Year uh, for the season as well. So I wrote that after the Tampa Bay match. That was my bid. That was my case for Albert Deeker to become Player of the Year. And again, congratulations, Albert Deeker. A tremendous honor. And um, we... Um, you know, we had a chance to cover you, Albert Deeper for four years. We don't know what the future holds. Uh, will he return to Pittsburgh? Will he be bit of getting contract offers elsewhere? Um, I'm sure he will. Uh, he's his evolve. He's evolved as a tremendous player. As we get into the offseason, we will talk a lot more about that. Uh, Dan Visser of the Riverhounds, uh, who's newly appointed sporting director, uh, will be joining me later this week. And uh, one of the questions I could pose to Dan is uh, what will the Hounds do in terms of trying to retain uh, players and that sort of thing? So we'll look forward to talking to Dan uh, and more um, uh, later in the week uh, regarding Albertiqua and the Riverhounds. Uh, but now I'd like to bring on our special guests. Uh, we'll talk about the pit. Tournament NCAA tournament fever has struck the University of Pittsburgh again. Another year, another year we have pit men and pit women in the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk about that uh, shortly. All right, we're back with Dom Campbell. Dom uh, doing a lot of great things for Pittsburgh Soccer Now and Pittsburgh Sports Now. Dom, uh, it's been uh, 2023, I think, it's been quite a year for Pittsburgh Soccer, an unbelievable year for Pittsburgh Soccer. And I think we still have a ways to go because both pit teams are going to are gonna make a run at the the NCAA tournament here. But uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, I know you're you're so busy with so many different things going on. Yeah, November is probably the busiest month for me, John. It really is just so much work going on. Obviously, football and women's basketball and wrestling start up. I got obviously the soccer programs are in the NCAA tournament. That's great to see. And then um, volleyball as well. Get into the thick of things. I'll be in the NCAA tournament by the end of the month, early December. So lots going on right now, John. Absolutely. So you have made uh, yourself comfortable in the press box at Ambrose Urbanic Field. Um, and I, I honestly, this one thing I really missed this year is being out there. I, it's been just kind of stretched with doing some other things, but, um, but I, you know, we're very glad and grateful we have you. But yeah, just Pitt today, men's team. Let's talk about the men first. Uh, there's a lot to talk about the women. We're going to have Rachel coming on too, but just the men, you know, they, you've been, you had a lot, almost all of the home games this year. Uh, I was hesitant. I was concerned. I didn't know if they could get in. Then when I sat down and I really 
went through the the RPI list and then looked at all the, the automatic qualifiers and so many teams that qualified in the NCAA tournament this year, the men's tournament, were not were not like the top teams in the conference. They were like second or third, fourth place type teams that were below Pitt or somewhere in the same ballpark as Pitt in the um so I was concerned. And then I thought I broke it down even further and it looked like you know what, even after all that at 29, they were kind of safely in there. Don't you think? Yeah. I, th- I just did a whole list of every single team that made the NCAA tournament and where they are. And um, Pitt's not the lowest RPI team that made it in terms of at large bids. Um, right. They're about fourth least uh, Denver is 31 Kentucky 35. And obviously James Madison on Thursday is the lowest at number 38. So you really had to be within that a top 30 top 35 list to really make it um the only teams that were i guess that were ahead of james madison that didn't make it in were vcu at 34 um i think uic illinois chicago at 37 and then st louis at 39 um were the only teams that really were around there that didn't make it i'll obviously talk about some other ones but um obviously once we were looking at the rpi you and i were discussing this i was just kind of like i think they're just going to get in i think they're, they value the ACC very highly, and obviously, as we see, a um, ton of at-large bids from the ACC. I, I Like, nine of the 12 teams made it, so Pitt played most of those teams. Obviously, Pitt's going to get the benefit of the doubt, and also with a good non one of the best non-conference schedules, their RPI was number one in the nation. I I just couldn't see how they did, wouldn't get in, especially with the success they've had in the NCAA tournament the past few seasons. They obviously made it the previous four times, three straight Elite Eight appearances and two College Cups in that time it's obvious that they were um it's obvious that they were probably going to make it even if despite the six six and four season so far yeah they were closer to being eight maybe eight four and four versus you know four eight and four you know i mean they they were closer those losses the losses were you know like they were all really other than the notre dame game which was which is i guess where it's the the has the concern for me yeah. started and then losing to Louisville. So if they beat Louisville in the tournament, that was yeah, a slam. Yeah, they would have been higher seed. Yeah, they would have beat Louisville. They easily would have been in. So but yeah, that six nil loss to Notre Dame was not a good sign. But Notre Dame are a very good team, obviously number two in the tournament. So um just for anyone listening, um the NCAA Men's soccer is one through 16. There's no like one seed or two right. seed. So I guess that would be like the second number one seed, I guess, if you're looking at it. But yeah, I mean, they also played Marshall um, at home. They lost, but Marshall, a very good team, undefeated, uh, 17 mm-hmm. wins, two draws, I think. And then they lost to Georgetown on the road. Georgetown, a great team, and um, they're number four in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, this is the Pitt played a lot of great teams this year. They didn't play as well as they have well, in the past, but, you know, when you're trying to play the best teams and trying to have a really good schedule. The NCAA tournament is selection committee honors that. I mean, some of the teams that didn't make it in, didn't have much. I mean, the big 10 had one team make it Indiana, obviously beat Pitt last year in the college cup, but I mean, that's one team in the big 10 that made it just one. So that's crazy. They, yeah. I would think women, maybe the women helped with that because they said, you know what, Ohio state, you don't belong or, you know, they just blew them out, but <laughs> that's interesting. I know there are people that obviously the Penn state side of things are, are not happy at all. Um, Indiana, I Indiana did get in though, didn't they? Yeah, they won. They, they were the only team they won, obviously. Oh, they the qualified. Oh. That was the team. Wow, wow, and that's crazy because Indiana, you know, we figure their their RPI was lower. That's why I just 
I didn't even think about that because their RPI was lower than Pitt. So, um, well, they were, they're a few lower, but they, but they were, they weren't oh, even you know what? So, I mean, which is kind of hilarious, right. but yeah, the big 10 was not very good this year. The, the committee did not recognize that at all. And basically it was, if you win the league, you'll get in. If you don't, you won't get in. Um, wow. So that's what the big 10 stands for soccer right now. Not very good. That's pretty remarkable actually thinking about it but yeah so what are, what are your thoughts on this pit team in terms of you know first of all james madison is not a team to sleep on i believe i was shocked looked at um the opening match of the season for duquesne and they just completely dominated duquesne and duquesne has a good team and you know i think that was a little bit of a surprise and after that loss to james madison actually duquesne turned things around you know a10 is tough i mean i think they're every year in and year out it's very tough but back to James Madison like that's a team that um you know and they, they didn't win their conference tournament either I think they have a little chip on their shoulder uh heading into this tournament and they believe that they're a very good team as well so I think Pitt has their work cut out for him but again Jay Vitovich and even last year they went to Kentucky um if they can beat James Madison at home they should uh they are at home then they get Georgetown as you said um yeah, I, anything's possible, right, with this group? Because it always seems like to me, when I watch them play, they're connecting passes. They look good at times. They look unbelievable at times. When they can put all that together, maybe, sometimes they just need to go further into the season and they finally start to get into the groove. And that's what happened last year. But I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, just to go back to uh, James Madison, I mean, they're in the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt while it might not be respected in other sports, is probably one of the best conferences in college soccer. Obviously, Marshall is in the Sun Belt, the best team this season. West Virginia is in the Sun Belt. They just played yesterday, West Virginia and Marshall, in a big, big game. They've had two big rivalry games this year. Let's not ask about how if they're rivals in football. Let's not get into that. But anyways, um, also other teams in the Sun Belt. UCF, they're in the Big 12 for other sports, but there's no Big 12 for uh, men's soccer. That's why them and West Virginia are in the Sun Belt. Kentucky is in the Sun Belt. Um, because right. there's no SEC. Um, and then another team is obviously James Madison. They're the fifth team out of the Sun Belt to make it. So a very, very good conference this year. Um, and that's why James Madison is in. They played really good teams. Um, they played a lot of teams that Pitt has played, right? I, I put in my uh my post. If anyone hasn't read it yet, it'll, it's on the site. It's um they played about four teams that Pitt has played. They obviously talked about them beating Duquesne, um, but they lost to Marshall at home and then they tied George Virginia at home. They played in the ACC and they beat, they lost to Georgetown on the road. So they played a lot of good teams as well. That's why they're in the situation. That's why they're in the tournament. That's why they got one of the, they basically got the last at large bit in terms of RPI, they're the last team in. So um, very good team. I haven't really gone in deep dive into who's one of the best players, but I'll look into it in the next few days. But I mean, at least what I'm looking at now, they're a pretty solid team and it should be a pretty good game Thursday night. Um, but going into Pitt, I mean, they, they just lack a goal scorer. I think last year we talked about that, them lacking a goal scorer, but they had players like Valentin Noel and Berton Jacasson and other players who could just step up in a moment's notice. And they did last year. I mean, Valentin Noel scored the winner in the Elite Eight and Berton Jacasson scored that uh scored that wonder goal in the Sweet 16. You know, just having those players can get you through. And obviously they had a fantastic defense last year. Really, really great. Um, they're really great defensively. And this year, they're pretty solid as well, I would say. I mean, you obviously have Jackson Gilman, one of the best underclassmen in the country, um, one of the best center backs in the country. He started every single game since he's come on campus from last season. So he's been he was a part of that whole run last year, and he's played every game this season. 
Um, Matea Maifo, um at left back obviously was a revelation last year. And obviously now this year he's had a full year to start and he's been pretty solid as well. Um, but really going back to the lack of goal score, I mean, they're just not, they just don't have the player you want that can just score school goals. It should be Louis Samkow. He's supposed to be that striker, but he's injured a lot. You know, Jay, Jay, Jay tells me that it's not something I'm just saying because I think he's injured. No, Jay will tell me, you know, he's not healthy enough. He needs to be healthier. And that's one player that if he was, I think Pitt would win games, but they struggle a lot scoring goals. And I, you know, it's the six, no loss to, you know, Notre Dame, that four, one loss to Georgetown are more like, like extremes and like aberrations of what most of the games this season have been pretty close. They haven't really given it more than three goals, really. And they've been pretty close in a lot of games, but obviously um, it's really hard when you're you're replacing almost all your entire team from last season. They only had three or four starters from last year in that final four game still on the team right now. So it's a really new team. And um, I guess you can congratulate Jay and the staff for putting together a bunch of players who have managed to still stick it out and, keep the team going and that's why they're in the position they are today they're making it in just just making it into the NCAA tournament I, I think that's so well said and I agree there's just lacking that I mean you think about last year you have Berton Jockison and Valentin Noel you lose both of them uh, yeah who Sam Cowell was a nice role player last year and uh, last couple of years but yeah I mean it's just they these some of these guys needed to come into their own quickly and you know that's hard to do in in at this level i think this level uh it's it's really hard to do i do i also agree too about the coaching you know i i think it was uh anson dorrance at unc women too as well i was looking i was like wondering why hey they're not quite as good as they were i mean they were they didn't have a loss heading into the pit game uh, playing the pit women but they had so many ties. And I was like, something about these veteran coaches with these new roles, with the overtime not being in play, they just kind of grind out games where their team isn't playing very well. And I kind of sense that with Jay as well. He finds a way to, uh, you know, those six draws. Like in years past, I bet three or four or five of those end up being wins. You know, I mean, the Duke, you've said it yourself, this Duke and North Carolina games. Like if they just had a little bit more clinical somewhere in the box, like they they win those games. Yeah, they just there's some of those chances really late in those games that you're just like, oh, Pitt could have had these met ones, you know. That's not the problem. Last year they drew a lot of games. Last season they were they really didn't win a lot of games, and that's been the big difference between the last few seasons where they were really dominant and now where they're just like, well, we're ending in ties. We're not winning as many games. We're not losing a ton of games necessarily, but we're not winning enough. Um, they lost a few more games than they usually do. They were they didn't have not won a game on the road this season. So, you know, they lost to Georgetown, they lost to Syracuse, they lost to Virginia. Um, so that's somewhat of a worry. I mean, they didn't even beat a pretty poor Boston College team on the road, which they should have beaten. That should have been an easy win for them, but wasn't. Uh, you know, that's where they've struggled a lot too is just winning on the road. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I just they've just been close in some games. I mean, Louisville game they probably could have won. They were close in that and just not getting the job done and then two ridiculous one goal and then another ridiculous goal from the halfway line. And then they almost come back in the second overtime, which is ridiculous to begin with. But yeah, I mean, they're so close <laughs> to a lot of these games. Yeah. It's just, it's Crazy. just five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, against Louisville, but yeah. All right. So, you know, you were there uh, Saturday. We'll uh, switch over to women real quick here. You know, you were there Saturday night, um, 
the way and you've been you've been to some of the women's games i probably have seen more of the women's games this year um in full than i have the men i've watched both probably equally but more of the women's games in full and uh you know this team it's just you, you talk about it different than the men like yeah, they did lose a few players here and there. They needed a new goalkeeper and, you know, they added some, but the players they added, I think, was tremendous. Um, but just in terms of this team and the performance they put out on Saturday night and the atmosphere at Ambrose Urbanic Field, I mean, what were your takeaways? I mean, they just dominated. There was no doubt they were going to win that game once they started scoring. I mean, three goals in, what, five, six minutes? And after the 30th minute, it was a bit boring before that, but they just exploded. Got a little lucky on some of the goals, but they were in the right positions at times as well, and they just scored goals. I mean, and obviously completely different than from the men. They just have so many players of experience, and it's just the way that Jay and Randy operate differently. Jay is very more, I'm going to go across the world, find players I need, even if it's just one season, we're getting players. Randy's more, I want players around for a long time. I want to recruit as many players, especially in, inside the country as he can. Obviously, we can talk about Nigeria and players he'll get from that as the head coach there, but really he's more so state-bound and getting players around the around the U.S., which is fine. I mean, whatever works, and he's a, he's a national title winner, and so is Jay. So you know what? I'll trust both of them and how they do their things. And when we look at this season, I mean, Amanda West is back, one of the best, probably the best player in pit women's soccer history. You have... Sarah Chapansky, North Allegheny alum, has been brilliant this season. Landy Mertz, uh, Upper St. Clair alum, sister of Robbie Mertz, who, but Robbie, he plays on the Riverhounds, right? So a lot of a lot of Western Pennsylvania soccer connections to this team as well. And, you know, they've been great defensively too. Ashton Gordon's been fantastic center back. I mean, Kitty Zalski and Olivia Lee's a freshman has been great. And Ellie Breach has been a really solid goalkeeper. She made some great saves against North Carolina in that game to keep them in the match. Um uh, yeah, midfield as well. I mean, Chloe Minas is pretty pretty strong there too. Um, obviously, I have to mention Nigeria international Deborah Deborah Abu She's been pretty solid. She could score a goal. She scored against Ohio State, um, but she's pretty she's a really good passer. It plays with a great experience. It you know I used to be surprised a freshman has, but clearly she knows what she's doing. Got obviously a big following playing for the Nigerian women's national team and playing in that World Cup too. I mean, that's a great experience to bring to your fellow teammates. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I'm missing. Ellie Caulfield, I mean, another Western Pennsylvania Marzo alum, another player you got to remember. Um, those are the main and players. I, and, yeah. Yeah, um, I think Randy did a great job of figuring out how to make all of this work because he has a lot of true forward attacking type players. And he's kind of figured out, oh, I'll drop Sarah down. I mean, yeah, he dropped Sarah Schapansky down to be an attacking mid. And all of a sudden she's got tied for the league and team with goals. He figured out. You know, Samaya, um, you know, Fury, you have to use her with her back through goal as a, as a target striker and redistribute when you get and you got Amanda West on one side and Landy on the other. I mean, he's just figured out a nice little, you know, system with this group and they're clicking. They've been clicking really all year, but like in terms of goal scoring it and clinical and being an experience, like they're the opposite of the men, like in terms of now the question is, it does the, the competition gets tougher and, you know, some of these games get more physical or there's better defenders and things like that. I mean, Ohio state was supposed to be that type of team to kind of slow them down, but other than Florida state and Florida state will go, it'll be a track meet with them and pit. And that's fine with a lot of people. 
I think it would be fun to watch if they do it again for the third time. But um, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do in Arkansas. Now they all have their hands full because they got to play Arkansas and then they have to play Notre Dame, most likely play Notre Dame. Um, so, and that'll be like the true test because that's a, a defensive team, team that won't give in uh, too much to them. Yeah, John, we're missing the big outliers, the poor seeding that Pitt received, the number seven seed. Pretty ridiculous seeding after they were better than yeah. they were last season. They were number four last season, too. Um, and again, in the same bracket as a Florida State. I guess they just wanted, I know, region, you know, and Randy talked about it. He, he doesn't like the regionality thing when it comes to the NCAA tournament. He wants more of a balanced and proper um, seeding, which I agree with. I understand money is important, but I think there's no way on this earth that pit women's soccer should be a number seven seed one of the best attacking teams in the country i agree I feel ridiculous. Like Arkansas because like yeah. now they're going to play one of the best teams in the country in the second round and also for pit like you now have to play a really good team on the road when you might have been thinking you might have been able to host in the second round in the second when the second round and maybe the sweet 16 potentially and you're going to seven seed and you have to play Notre dame potentially if, if you win you gotta play a really good arkansas team and then you have to go back to Tallahassee to play Florida State again. The probably the best team in the country, really are. So, yeah, it's a tough bracket. But hey, Pitt, if Pitt gets out of this bracket, I mean, I, I don't know who stops them. That's the one thing I will say. Yeah, and this, this, I think the NCAA tournament lead it, it with the ability to score with the one game, one and done scenario. I just think it lends to a team getting like Pitt. Um, I just I felt that I sensed it even halfway through the season. I just sensed like, you know, the ACC is going to be tough to, you know, they'll get into play the ACC tournament. But but, yeah, I sense some that this team is capable of getting on this run now that you just you just don't know from game to game. But they have the capability. They can score. They have so many different players that can score. And um, yeah, they're, 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 they're playing with a lot of confidence. And the other thing is, honestly, like, with Amanda West and Landy Mertz and a few other players, I know Randy will reload and they have depth, but this might be their shot. This might be, they may also want to be looking at it like this group, you know, and, and I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. So. They just have the players. Like we talked about the men's team, not having goal scorers. We obviously just talked about the women's team having that they, they have the veterans, they have the players to score and they could do it this year. I know like, you know, Randy was, a lot of a lot of first last year, obviously making the ACC semifinals the first team first time this year is great, but I think they're not looking at it as like, oh yay, we're just here, woohoo, look at us. It's more like, why don't we make a run? Why, why don't why don't we do this? Because if you can and beat that- Arkansas, and you can beat Notre Dame, and you can take on Florida State, I mean, who can't you beat? I mean, if you can beat Florida State, you can beat anybody, really. Well, it's it's really hard. I don't care who you are to beat a, another really good team three times in a season. And I think Florida State would have to do that, and that's not easy. Uh, Pitt men will tell you that they they've uh, had some run-ins with Notre Dame or with other. You know, they they have hard to beat somebody three times in a season. All right, well, Dominic, I appreciate your time uh, and you obviously all the work you're doing. Pittsburgh Soccer Now, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Um, we'll definitely bring you on, and especially if either one of these teams keeps you know or both keeps moving forward and. Uh, we'll talk more um, about ready to bring Rachel on. So both of you were there on Saturday and uh, it, it was definitely a lot of fun. Yep. It was a great time. Um, I should be there on Thursday. So hopefully another pit win. All right. Thanks, Tom. Have a good night. Yep. All right. 
All right, we are back now. We just spoke with Dom Campbell. Uh, he was talking about the pit men and a little bit about the pit women because he was there Saturday night too, but also there Saturday night and on the call was none other than Rachel Krieger. Rachel, uh, wow, what an exciting thing to be a part of. You know, I remember being there for the Riverhounds. So it was a 7 nothing win against Birmingham, that absolute mayhem. But sometimes that's just a lot of fun for the fans and the supporters and people who've been part of the program for a long time to see it really all come together uh, like it did the other night. Uh, but yet it's only one. It's only one in, in a tournament where they got, they, they're going to have their hands full uh, moving forward. But, but it was great. Wasn't it Rachel? Yeah, it was kind of crazy because Jason Earl, who does the um, play by play on the broadcast, we both just kind of looked at each other at halftime and we're like, I cannot believe that this is the score of, of this game because they were, Going into it, they were two pretty, you know, evenly matched sides. And I mean, it was it was just kind of unexpected to see, you know, Pitt, Pitt have that kind of performance against, you know, a seed that is super close to them. I think what Ohio State was like a, a 10 or an 11. Um, so it was it was kind of crazy to see um, such a close result. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was nuts because I went in with a uh, a three nil prediction and that was that was the score at halftime. Um, but just it, it was awesome to see six goals from six different players like that's pretty much um, unheard of in just like soccer that's- in general. But, you know, collegiate soccer um, and right when it hit three nil at halftime, I, I looked at Jason and I said, well, you know, the winner of this game gets Arkansas and Arkansas put up um, five in their opening round. So you know, hopefully, hopefully Pittsburgh can match that. And they, they want up them a little bit. That's that's yeah, absolutely. And uh, what, what, you know, going into this, I wrote about Pitt's attack. I, I did a bit of a feature in terms of, you know, Randy has really, he's found a way to utilize a number of people that are maybe more true forwards, you know, bringing Sarah back, Sarah Schapansky back as a midfielder. Um, she scores 10 goals. Um, Samaya Fury, you know, she's uh, as a target forward, she's able to use her talents. And Randy talked about how elusive she can be, too. But, but as a target forward, her back, of course, you got Landy and you got Amanda West and Landy Mertz, and uh, you know, you, you got Ellie Caulfield who can hit it from 40 yards out if you know, if needed sometimes. I mean, that's a, they've got a lot of really good scorers, don't they? Yeah. And then, you know, it's funny because you just look at the lineup from that game and it was, you know, Kira Mellenhorst, she got the start. Um, and so having the ability to sub a player like Chloe Minos off the bench kind of seems like a cheat code. Um, it's a, it's a pretty much for the most part, healthy squad. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, but, but yeah, I mean, the attack was just, it was, it was amazing because one thing I, I actually mentioned to Jason on the broadcast was, you know, long gone are the days of, okay, well, we just need to put two, three players on Amanda West and you shut down the pit offense. Um, right. Before the game started, I said, wait, when did Samaya Fury score 10 goals? <laughs> She's just kind of like that sneaky, good utility player. Um, and always has been for, for Pitt. but yeah, you have players who can just score from, and then, you know, on, on set piece plays, free kicks and, and corners, of course, Ashton Gordon gets up there and she has a couple goals to her name this year. Katie Zelski can get up um, 
and use her height a little bit too. So there's, there's just a plethora of scoring options. And even whenever Pitt was putting in um, some subs into the game and some players who, you know, may not get the most playing time during the regular season, um, they were still taking good shots. Um, it wasn't like, okay, they put the subs in an Ohio state pretty much um, just had the ball in the, in, in pits or in, in their attacking half the whole time. Um Pitt was still getting some good quality shots against um a, against a good a good defensive Ohio State team. So yeah, the pit the pit attack this year has just been I mean, it, it's it's amazing because, you know, like you said, so many years have gone by. It's been Amanda Ma- West, Amanda West, Amanda West, Amanda West. And um, you know, she obviously still has an impact. And, you know, teams know when she's on the pitch, watch out. But now yeah. you got to watch out for for three or four other players as well too. All right, thank you, Rachel. I I, I think you're right. I mean, the pit attack absolutely is is much more diverse. You have options. They can do different things. Um, they could in different ways and I think that that is something I don't think I think that hit Ohio State really hard and honestly Samaya watching her in the Florida State game excuse me the first Florida State game is when I realized I was watching I'm like wait a second they're going toe to toe with Florida State, they're on the front for most of the match. And they have a, a forward who is drawing defenders and it's freeing up everyone else. And I just, I, I don't know, I just thought that was uh, really impressive. Yeah, I think Samaya has just been kind of that player this year that she, I think. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All of a sudden, the screenshot. I am the host now. What is happening here? Hi, we're back. We had a few technical issues. I think I was fighting to my basement and stuff. But, you know, hey, welcome to 2023 and uh, Zoom and all that good stuff. But uh, Rachel, uh, you and I, I mean, we, we've been following this pit women's team for a long time. Um, <clears throat> I was talking about the Riverhounds seven, nothing win against Birmingham, but where do you, where do you rank that, that win, uh, in the atmosphere at, at Ambrose on Saturday night? Where do you rank that with all the really great games in pit sock, Pittsburgh soccer history, really in the last 10, 15 years? I think the the first ACC win will always be very special. Um, calling that five years ago with Jason, um, it was just like an amazing moment to see 
something that this group had worked so hard for. Um, but but that crowd, I mean, Saturday's crowd was was electric and it was crazy because we were talking about, you know, there's college football and there's, you know, this, that and the other. And there the the stands were still full and there were there were still people coming in. So it was um it was just electric. I've never seen Ambrose like that before. Um cheering for every single goal. I mean, when Landy scored, it was pretty great because she said it afterwards. She had about like 30, 35 members of her family and friends there since she's from upper St. Clair area, as we know. Um, it, it just like absolutely erupted when she scored. Um, Sarah Chapansky too. She's another whippy old kid. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool to see that. I would probably rank that second, um, second all time. Um, it, it I thought about putting the Duke win a little bit above it, but I don't think Duke has really quite lived up to their expectation this year. So, um, but, but for me, nothing will beat that Boston college game. Um, so Boston college, uh, back in, what was that? 20, 2018, I think it was 2018, 2019. Um, and then definitely, definitely the, uh, Pitt Ohio state win. Yeah, I would I would put it up there just in terms of that, um, you know, the atmosphere and what it what it was all about. But but also it's just it this team coming together. And that one thing Dominic and I talked a lot about was the experience piece. You know, the pit men are struggling because they don't really have a, a finisher. They they've obviously snuck into the tournament again, but they don't have they don't have Jakasun. They don't have, you know, Valentin Noel. They don't have those type of players. Um, there's they've put together a pretty good team, but Randy, you know, when he took over, you remember this, when he took over, he, I never forget this conversation I had with him. Um, and he was so frank. He was like, you know, we have, we don't have a lot of ACC play. We don't have players that can compete at this level right now in this program, but we're going to, we're going to have those type of players. I mean, he was like a prophet and he said, he, you know, with the way he recruits and the type of um, energy he and Ben and the staff have, um, you know, they, it, it took a little bit of time, but they, they really got there, didn't they? Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like you, you look at not just players like Amanda West who have been there from the start, but a player like Anna Bout, who is another utility person. Um, and, and it's just like crazy because I remember when they were freshmen and, you know, just getting started out, winning a couple games here and there. And then um there was a um there was a graphic on the broadcast at the halftime show, um, just the the gradual progression, um, the the incline up of of okay, well, we're getting some ACC wins, we're getting just more wins in general, we're you know, tying more games instead of just losing games. Um, so it's been it's been a gradual progression this year, hasn't or this team hasn't had since Randy um has been there a, a year where Okay, maybe they they win like eight, like say eight games overall. Oh well, they're going to go back down to six. It has been improvement year after year after year after year, and it starts with players like Amanda and Annabelle. Um, now now players like I know she's a transfer coming in, but Ashton Gordon, um, who has you know those transfers make just as big of a deal too because they're saying, hey, I want to be at Pitt. I mean, Lindy Merch, she played at Dayton. Atlantic conference and then said, I want to be playing for my hometown team. And she and I, we talked at the beginning of the season. She said, as soon as, you know, they went out in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah. I want to come back and, and make it further next year. Um, so now like with that gradual progression, right. I mean, the, the standard 
I'm going to steal a phrase from the the Steelers here. The standard is the standard. And it started with that group, um, that initial group that Randy brought in. And, you know, I've said it a thousand times that Randy knew that Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, he didn't go to Notre Dame and just automatically start winning. He had to build a program there too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome to see the, the progression and how it started with those players. And then those, those players, Amanda, Anna, and others really just like setting the tone and the expectation for, Hey, you know, you're for the younger players, like you're here at Pitt now, and this is what we've struggled and worked really hard to accomplish. And and we want to see that continue, not, not go downhill, but continue and, and climb upward. And this is a program that still has a major chip on its shoulder in terms of earning respect, like to be seated seventh in this region. When we, we, I was looking at looking across the board, did my research looked at the, I mean, this is a team that should Okay, if they weren't in the top 16, be considered a seed, they should have been one of the first, you know, maybe a fifth overall seed in that ballpark. But a seventh, which, you know, knocked them further down. Now they have to go on the road early in the in the tournament. They have to go play a very good high scoring Arkansas team. Notre Dame is on that side of the bracket. And of course, Florida State's in their their bracket, too. So it will be by no means will it be easy. But, you know, again, they have the ability to. To, to to make this deep run, even against all those teams. Um, but my point, original point, and, you know, I asked Randy on Friday before the game, I said, Randy and Landy um, and about that and about the seating. And they sort of handled it really well. They sort of said, well, yeah, we were not happy about it. But at the same time, you know what? We're just turning the page. We're just going to do our thing. And um, I think that, they're using it as some serious motivation. Yeah. I mean, this team will perpetually have a, a chip on their shoulder. I remember when they were, you know, unranked for, for a little bit down the stretch there and they were still beating, yeah. you know, ranked teams. I think it wasn't until they beat Wake Forest that they, they earned a ranking. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Randy saying like, listen, that hurts that, are, <laughs> excuse me, that hurts us from a recruiting standpoint. Like we're clearly putting in, the work and, and getting the results and like, where's our ranking? Where's, where's the respect? And yeah, you know, he's, I, I think that the team has handled their, their seating with, with grace, like you've said, um, when we were on the, um, uh, the prep call with Ohio state co- coach, Lori, uh, Walker, and now I'm forgetting her last name, Walker, Walker, what? I don't remember Walker dash something. Um, she even said, I can't believe Pitt was seated um, seventh. I think she made the remark of like, I can't believe we have to travel to Pittsburgh. Like there's there, she expected to have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I won't say who said it, but as I was walking to the media um, conference, there were, you know, a couple players, coaches, staff members, whatnot. And I heard a remark, somebody saying, I can't believe that we had a higher seating last year and and it was easier to take care of Ohio State. Like it's it's crazy just how, you know, things change. And I mean, the dominant display, I hope it boosts them up a little bit in the rankings. Um, but I think a lot of teams are going to take notice. If, if they haven't taken notice already after, you know, beating that stretch of ranked teams, uh, Wake Forest, Duke. And I remember there was another one. I, I can't put my can't put my finger on it right now. Um, but beating that stretch, getting 
your first win over over UNC in the ACC tournament and and just in general, um, and then putting a big six burger on Ohio State. Six like burger. If people are if, if people are aren't watching and and seeing this team, I I don't understand. I don't understand what they'd be watching. Um, you know, I asked them. I I said to Landy and Randy, I said. Uh, should Arkansas fear you guys or should you fear Arkansas? And they were like, yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas should fear us. Um, so yeah, this team has fought for a lot of respect, but they also just have like the utmost confidence heading, you know, continuing to roll in this tournament. And that's exactly what Randy said in terms of uh, this year versus last year, last year, it, 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 while they had believed that they were a good team, their confidence they are going into like last year when they went to play Florida state at Florida state. Um, no, I, I, they, they were just, if they could stay close, which they did. And they played that very competitive match. Now I think they, they know even losing twice to Florida state this year in both losses. I think they felt like they, they, they had their moments and they, they could have won those matches. Um, and I, watched both of those matches and I totally agree with that. I just, I, and they were confident and you know what, they, they took it and <clears throat> showed that they can do it because they did it at UNC. Um, so, all right. So looking ahead with Arkansas. <laughs> okay. Now it, it was you, now it's me. Um, <clears throat> sorry, something down the wrong throat, but Arkansas, um, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup? Uh, and you said you spoke with Ashton Gordon who transferred from Arkansas. Yeah, that was fun because, um, you know, we, we had asked Randy about it ahead of the Ohio State game. We said, I know your focus is on Ohio State, but like, come on. And he said, when they saw their side of the bracket, when they saw that Arkansas would be that second step, a lot of players were doing the ooh, ah, to, uh, to Ashton Gordon, just, <laughs> just kind of giving, giving her a little ribbing and stuff. But afterwards... You know, she said she was fired up. She's excited to go down there, has a lot of respect um, for Arkansas, of course, and, and her time there, but is really looking to, to get some revenge. And yeah, I think the travel is going to be tough. Um, Pitt usually doesn't have to travel that far. Um, Sands, Ohio State, of course, or not Ohio State, excuse me, Florida State. Um, but they usually don't have to travel that far. But they've traveled before in, in short weeks. And, and I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those games that in a way it's going to be like Ohio state where the two teams are feeling each other out for about 20 minutes. But I think Pitt is just going to, Pitt's going to come out. I think with their usual formation, I really like the three back formation. I love Olivia Lee. I think she has been playing absolutely outstanding soccer this year. And, you know, it's crazy because you look at that back line, Olivia Lee's a freshman and then you've got Katie Zalski and, and Ellie breach, goalkeeper and, and defender and they're both sophomores and then Ashton Gordon's the, the fifth year senior in the middle um and and it's crazy how well that they've done on defense with with such youth and and inexperience albeit Katie Zalski got a lot of experience last year um but yeah I think they're just gonna throw the kitchen sink at, at Arkansas try to get on the board early kind of silence the crowd I really do think Pitt could come out of this this match with like a 2-1 victory yeah, I agree. I think they come out. They they've been on the front foot everywhere. Every game they played, except maybe that Clemson in the first half. But the second half of Clemson, even though they lost that match, I thought they were the much better team. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the, the travel piece is certainly a factor. But you know, at this time of year, mo uh, momentum. You got the break. 
the fact that the if they do play again on Sunday, they're going to have they're going to be in one place and they're going to be rested. Um, and so you can't momentum is a is a really um, strong thing. And I think that when you pick up confidence uh, like this team has all season long uh, with this group, I, I think they're going to be in pretty good position uh, to to really take it to Arkansas. Looking forward to that um, for sure on Friday, I believe Friday, Friday. I'm losing track here because too many games here. Pitt men play Thursday night and then Pitt women will play on Friday uh, at Arkansas. So uh, that's, a, I think, a 6.30 kickoff. So we have a lot going on Pittsburgh soccer now, Pittsburgh soccer scene. We have the, you know, the high school playoffs are, are coming down the wire with the states. Um, uh, Rachel, do you have any assignments uh, this week or are you done with high school? Um, I don't think I have any this week. I was pretty sad uh, to see Freedom go out to to nothing in in their I think that's their what their quarterfinal match. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate, but it was it was cool to see them win at Highmark Stadium again. But no, I think uh, we have over at the times. I think Quaker Valley's still in Quaker it. Quaker Valley's still around. So and they, and they, Moon they Girls. Played, yeah, boys. Uh, JJ Vescio and his group uh, will be playing to uh, um, in the. Um, state semi uh quarterfinals oh semifinals so mm-hmm. they hope to get back to we always, i'm so used to just saying hershey and they're playing in mechanicsburg and yeah. um so but that's a whole nother podcast with the kids on the pitch and we'll, we'll um should be a fun week uh, as far as all that goes and real quick you just your thoughts um on the pittsburgh riverhounds uh robert deegra winning the mvp uh you were at highmark stadium for the columbus match uh, and his remarkable goal uh, there, but a 20 uh, during the regular season, a couple others during actually just that one other one or two, I think he had in the open cup, but uh, it's just what a remarkable season it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't think there could have been another player to, to win MVP. He, you know, golden boot winner, um, just the, the work that he put in and, you know, he still missed a couple games. Um, and Dude, so for- he was out for almost a month. <laughs> Yeah, for him to score as many goals as he did with with the games that he played, it was very extremely impressive. Um, I I remember being so happy seeing him come back, um, scoring again like his old self, like like nothing happened. Um, so yeah, I was like I was super excited to see that. Very very well deserved. Couldn't have happened also to a nicer person. He's one of yeah. the nicest guys on the planet. So you always want the nice guys to win. Um. I didn't really get to catch much of the final. Um, so, but quick shout out to Phoenix for, for clinching the title. Um, Crazy, huh? Yeah. Oh, I, I saw it went to penalties and I turned it on. Um, Cause I had like just gotten back home um, from work and I turned it, I turned on the penalties on my phone and I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe um, with the, with the way the NWSL championship ended and the, uh, the USL championship final ended, it was just a, a crazy, crazy soccer day. It was absolutely. And the thing is even crazier about Phoenix is that, you know, they, we saw them come to Highmark stadium. The Hounds pretty much control that match from beginning to end. They were still trying to figure everything out and all this, you know, you just get, you get hot at the right time in the playoffs. I, I think it's two totally different things. I think the Riverhounds should get a lot of credit for the player shield winners, I think should be recognized and they do, they get their trophy and they had their celebration and, but that achievement is remarkable to do it over 34 games. And really, Bob has done it almost twice because you take 2019, they won the East and did they lost to Phoenix by a point. Um, but 
the fact that Phoenix this year didn't even, I mean, they, they didn't even win any of their last five, their last five matches, they were winless in the regular season. And then they just got in the playoffs, got hot and, you know, so anything's possible in a one and done format, especially in a professional level. Yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, I, again, I appreciate your time. It's been good connecting with you tonight and uh, seeing you out at Highmark Stadium uh, last week. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great, I think it's been a really monumental year for Pittsburgh soccer, uh, regardless of what happens in the next couple of weeks with the pit teams. Yeah, it's been a fun year. I'm hoping they can they can keep it rolling and we get more games to watch. If uh, if anybody down in Arkansas needs somebody to call the game, I'm free on Friday night. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we we will see what happens with that. But yeah, I'll, we'll all be watching, I'm sure, closely uh, Friday evening, uh, 630. So uh, again, Rachel, thanks for your time. And uh, as always, I um, appreciate all you do uh, to, to help grow the sport in the area and your contribution to Pittsburgh Soccer Now. And if anybody um, is listening, uh, probably the next day or so, you might see another feature coming from Rachel. All right. All right, that was Rachel Krieger, uh, again, Pittsburgh Soccer Now contributor. She was on the call of the Pitt women's win the other night. And again, I appreciate her contributions. And Dominic, again, thank him for joining me uh, in this on this edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. And uh, we will be back. I'm actually going to have a special guest this week, a little bit later in the week. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Pittsburgh Riverhounds, new sporting director. Uh, Dan Visser will join me. So looking forward to that, sharing that conversation uh, soon. So until then, have a great night. Talk to you soon.